Thank you for listening to The Luminous Mind, episode 46. You have to stop at some point and step back and say, are my expectations realistic? Where do I even get these expectations from? Benjamin Franklin once said, Do not curse the darkness, rather light a candle instead. If you're ready to set your mind on fire, then prepare yourself for the luminous mind with your host, Rebecca Bowman. Today's fire starter is Kimberly King. She's a homeschooling mom of two girls, ages 13 and 16. She's been homeschooling since they were born. Her background is in microbiology with a minor in mathematics. Her husband and her are lifelong learners. They love to go to museums, ranger-led talks, and any other interesting activities that are around. She's an avid reader, and she loves to craft, sew, paint, crochet, and so on. She's very talented. I actually, Kimberly is one of my good friends. She's taught a lot of my kids in different classes in our Commonwealth school. So welcome, Kimberly. Excited to talk to you. Thanks for having me. <laughs> no, it's super fun to talk to you. Tate, my youngest son, just loves her. And so he wanted to come in and sit in. I'm like, we're not going to see her. <laughs> just gonna, oh. she, he wouldn't even hear her voice because <laughs> I have headphones on. So, Oh, well, tell him I said hi. <laughs> so she is. She's an amazing person. So, Kimberly, do you want to just briefly tell us about your family? And then, we, you know, we've kind of talked about some of your hobbies and passions, but maybe expound upon those, and then also what you did as a profession. Okay, so yes, I've been married for 23 years. I have the two girls, 13, and my oldest just turned 16 today. It's her birthday. Oh my gosh, <laughs> I didn't know <laughs> so, that. I'm going to yeah. have to wish her happy birthday. I'm, I'm really excited because she can drive at night now, so there's no more excuses <laughs> why I have to take her everywhere. <laughs> I have lots of interests. I just follow whatever interests me, teach myself things, learn about what interests me. We can get into that a little bit more later, I guess. I was a Lelecha League leader for 10 years. So I went to college and that's where I met my husband. He's an environmental engineer. I got my degree in microbiology with my minor in mathematics. And then I worked till I was 30. And while I was working, I went back and got my master's degree in microbiology. And that was really fun to work full time and then have to go take classes and then do research in a lab <laughs> after, after working a full-time job. But we waited to have kids, so I'm a little bit older parent. In comparison to the other moms yeah. in our Commonwealth school. Anyway. Yeah. Most so. of the families around here, they start much younger. A little bit older. I have to say, staying home after my first one was born, I couldn't bear to leave her. So we had set it up that I went back to work, but that I could leave if I changed my mind. So I chose to stay home and I have to say it took me a, a good year to figure out how that was supposed to work. You know, I didn't know what my role was. I was, I didn't know what I was supposed to do, what to do with myself. <laughs> you know, it was really different because I had been, I'd been a public school student all my life and then I was a professional and then now I was at home <laughs> and I didn't know what that was supposed to look like. Cause you know, when you're in public school, you never see 
you don't never see what goes on at home when yeah. you're gone. And yeah. that was one of the things that... And a home I, ec class is a poor, you know... <laughs> a really poor substitute. substitute. <laughs> yes. And I, that was one of my frustrations, I think, when I became a parent, realizing that, you know, I never saw real life as a kid. I never saw what my parents went through. I'd had... When I was nine, uh, uncle of mine died and his daughter, they were... My aunt, uncle, and daughter were in a car wreck and his daughter almost died and she was in the hospital and had surgeries and you know this went on and on I'm not even sure I guess maybe I went to the hospital once or twice oh wow but but this went on for like a year and I don't remember ever really even being a part of any of that oh that's sad and I know I think that's really sad (laughs) you know when the toilet upstairs flooded and my mom's bedroom ceiling and her caved in I never saw her calling the repair people and repair people come. You know, I just I felt like I didn't know how really to function. Like, how to, I didn't know how, how to, to run a household, basically. Right. And I didn't know how to cook or we ate out a lot <laughs> when I worked. And so, yeah, coming home was a really big adjustment. So how did you acclimate yourself to that? Well, you know, I trusted my instincts. That's one of the first things. And that's what Lele Chilling really helped with that. They really encourage moms to listen to their baby and to listen, you know, to parent what feels natural, not what society tells you. Well, that's great. Oh, yeah. And so I always encourage that in my moms, too, because I always would see that at meetings that moms would come and they wouldn't trust themselves. So there's got to be some other professional that knows better type thing. Right, right. I can't trust what my judgment is telling me about my child. And so I listened to myself. I don't know. I just slowly found my way, um, (laughs) you know, started cooking more. I had, well, my first baby was one of those really intense babies who you could never let set her down. (laughs) Oh, you know, cry all the time if you weren't holding her and um, just liked being close type thing. And yes, and never would go on a schedule, never could be scheduled. So she was actually very stressful. (laughs) (laughs) So it was an interesting experience. Yeah. So why did you choose the homeschool then? You know, I people ask me about that and, you know, there's just so many reasons. I think, first of all, it was kind of a natural extension of our parenting. When we brought our baby home, Dwayne wouldn't want her out of his sight. So she slept with us. We just were like a unit, a family unit. And the thought of sending her off to a stranger to be raised you know, out and not have control over what was going on. It just was wrong. Yeah. (laughs) Well, it sounds like you and your husband are both highly educated anyway. So maybe it just did seem natural. I mean, a lot of ways you had a expertise type of education than some of the teachers even. Wouldn't you think so? Yeah. I mean, teaching someone else is different. But like you read in my biography, our idea of fun is to go like when we go to Yellowstone to go on the ranger led tours and learn I just <laughs> and to go to museums and read the displays and if there's a docent around ask questions even better you know yeah it's just looking back I think wow I guess it's pretty obvious that my husband and I are both lifelong learners and so I guess it's kind of was just natural yeah you were naturally teaching them and probably didn't even realize that at the, yeah at yeah the time. one of my uh, just is so funny one of the neighbors asked me if I was going to send Alyssa, my oldest, to preschool. And I'm like, no, why do I need to send her to preschool? Well, that's where they learn their colors and shapes. (laughs) (laughs) Really? You don't think they're going to figure that out eventually? (laughs) You know, I'm pretty sure the Barney book I read at night to her that (laughs) does the colors and stuff, I think she's going to 
going to figure it out. Yeah. And I, I thought it was funny that this parent was convinced that their child wasn't going to learn this stuff unless somebody taught them. Yeah. I mean, and that's like really basic. <laughs> well, and, well, and the, the thing that is so funny about that, like you said, it's like, it's not that it's rocket science, you know, no. and to think, I've wondered that too. You know, I have all over my, where I live, there's women that send their kids away to preschool. And, and I know sometimes they, um, the one thing they tout is that, well, it gives them an opportunity to get out and meet other kids. But I'm like at three <laughs> That's really important. (laughs) At three, what they really want is to take the other kid's toy. (laughs) Exactly. Not to play with them. (laughs) Anyway, so tell us about your educational philosophy and maybe what curriculum you use. Okay, my educational philosophy. Well, obviously, I'm a learner. So the first thing I did when I got pregnant, well, before I got pregnant, was read about pregnancy books and breastfeeding books and how to be a parent. And then as my children got older started reading all homeschooling books so you know a little over overdid it a little bit probably but knowledge is power right (laughs) yeah that's right knowledge is power so I would read one book um you know Montessori who it's all hands-on you know with the young kids and I think oh that's so wonderful I should do that and then I would read Waldorf which is about honoring the rhythms of your child and the rhythms of their as they age and having the rhythms of the seasons and the holidays and, and, you know, and it's more than that, but you know, that's what I took from it. And I'm like, oh yeah, I should do that. Have a nature table. And, (laughs) you know, so everything I read, different parts of it spoke to me. So I guess I have a pretty eclectic (laughs) style or philosophy, but I do have to say, and some of the other gals that you've interviewed had brought this up that um, the go-to book for me is The Well-Trained Mind, A Classical Education at Home. But though I don't even try to do even a fraction of what they do and if you read the authors they'll tell you that they only put that schedule in there because their editor made them that it's completely unrealistic to try to do that much work that's a good way to drive yourself insane really fast absolutely (laughs) absolutely (laughs) and I read the Thomas Jefferson education loved that I loved the leadership I actually went to the three seminars they offer a series of three seminars or they used to they came to this area and I took all of those and but I could not picture how I could make that work because I can't be that unscheduled or you know I I can't be that free with my time yeah I can't say let's do school now what do you want to learn I just that's just I couldn't do that yeah (laughs) that's just not me so we have set things that we do we're done by noon and then the kids can go do whatever they want and Alyssa just finished crocheting a a doll. I showed her a book I'd picked up on how to make your own dolls, crochet your own dolls. And she's been at it wildly. Wow. I I mean, they just... She's very talented, I have to say. She's one of my favorite students. So Thanks. (laughs) She's an amazing girl, so... So obviously, you know, starting out, your paradigm of your educational philosophy changed over time with experience. How how did that happen? Um, How did it change? Well, I think I never grew up around kids, so I really wasn't, did not have any idea what to expect. But I, I can see now looking back that, yeah, with your young kids, education needs to be a lot more about just experiencing things. Yeah. 
um, exposure, ex- exposure to things and experiences, you know, taking them to the zoo and reading interesting books to them. And I don't know. Yeah, just exposing them to things and giving them a, ch- a lot of hands on, you know, if you have a museum or a discovery center near you where they can go and touch and manipulate things, it just that's just really obvious. And, and you really should read uh, John Holt's How Children Learn if you have young kids, because he just it is so fascinating he like observes children and then he can just explain to you how they are learning just by their way they explore the world. He can tell you all about how they're learning. You're like going, wow, they're really learning a lot. Yeah. <laughs> it was pretty eye opening. But the older kids, you know, I don't know. I had high, really high expectations every year. I start off with really high expectations that we're going to, you know, get all of this stuff done. And of course, we never are able to. Yes, over time, I've become, I've come more relaxed about that, that the world is not going to end if we don't do grammar. You know, it's... Yeah, and sometimes writing, you know, just the practice of writing helps teach grammar in a way. Well, so. and, and how do you like this? Both my kids just resist writing. They just resist <laughs> it to the point I just don't even want to fight with them about it. She's my um, son's writing teacher, by the way, writing <laughs> mentor. <laughs> I know. That's what's so funny about it. <laughs> so... Yeah, but Alyssa's to the age now where there's not actually, she's finished up all of the general education type stuff. And so next year, I'm actually going to, you know, not have very much that I'm going to say you have to do, but I'm going to give her a, a wide variety of things to choose from to study. Like, we're not religious, so... I would like for us one year to study the Bible. Yeah, just to so, just have a basic knowledge. <laughs> right. So, you know, I want to offer that or American government or ancient history. You know, I want to offer some choices. and yeah, Something like, she can um, dive into real in-depth type thing. Right. Or maybe more intense sewing or cooking. You know, I just... I'm going to give her a list and it's going to include life skills, things too, that she needs to know yeah. and uh, let her choose more of what she wants to learn. That is, that's crazy that she's that old. So, so what, what is the best advice that you've ever received then? You sound just like you were just a voracious reader. Um, but. <laughs> I think probably for the young, for when my kids were younger, the best thing, best advice I got was that if you look at a baby And if it's normal for a child to learn to walk between the ages of nine months and say 18 months, I don't know what the range is, but something like that. If there's that huge of a range, then why would you ever assume that all kids when they're five need to learn the alphabet and when they're six need to be reading (laughs) words? And, you know, why would you ever assume that they should all be learning the exact same thing at the exact same time? And And that difference between nine months and 18 months, there's a huge developmental thing that's happening within that. So it's even greater, you Mm -hmm. know, as as you talked about, that's great advice. So we kind of laughed about preschool and learning our colors and stuff. But, you know, one of the number one questions that we get as homeschoolers is what do you think about socialization and what do you think it means to be socialized? You're laughing too. I know. When you homeschool your kids, you're like, this is so hilarious. Yeah. If that's all they've got. I know. So. If that's what you're worried about, seriously, bring them home. Yeah. You'll be much happier with the socialization they get. Exactly. You know, 
<laughs> I like to say to people, you know, what is socialization? You know, they a lot of times they can't even describe it to me, but I guess they're worried that my kids won't know how to play with other kids or <laughs> won't know how to get along or share with them or something. And I'm like, okay, you don't throw little kids in a room and they figure that out. <laughs> yeah, needs- All of that has to be modeled to them constantly. I would never leave three, four, five, six-year-olds alone to, <laughs> to get learn, along. To learn social skills. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. mean. You have the Lord of the Flies. <laughs> I know. And, you know, so if you're going on a play date with your kids so your kids can be socialized, you're going on a play date for you to yeah. have some socialization. <laughs> your kids, unless there's a parent right there helping them yeah (laughs) coaching them on how to get along they're not being socialized that way yeah well you know I guess okay well so this something that was pointed out to me that I thought was so true people say well you know if they meet a homeschooling kid and he's a little bit odd they blame it on homeschooling but if they meet a public school kid and he's a little odd, nobody says anything. Yeah. He says, honestly, it's usually about their parents. Yeah. Then they turn you it know. back on the family. Well, yeah. It's like, you know, if their parents are a little different, then the kids are going to be a little different. You yeah. know, I mean, it's. And I think it's sad that as a as a society, we don't embrace differences. You know, I mean, when we send our kids to public school, I think one of the things that they learn is that they can't be an individual. You know, mm-hmm. that's the way they get ridiculed is if they, they're different and they stand out. If they're really who they are, they'll get ridiculed. Okay, so my philosophy about this whole socialization is that my children learn how to be good friends by watching how I treat my friends. Yeah. They learn how to be a mom by watching how I parent them. They learn how to be a wife by watching my husband and I interact. So do you get that? I, I, nowhere in there are there other people. <laughs> You know, know, I mean, of course, they learn things when we take them out in public and they watch other people interact. You know, they're always comparing it against what they know and and stuff. And then when we go to the co-op, you know, they watch how the adults interact. They watch how the adults interact with the kids and the kids. They watch all of that. Yeah. But, But their first best teacher is going to be you. And so if you're struggle to communicate well with people, if you struggle with being respectful and kind and guess what? Yeah. <laughs> Your kids are too. <laughs> they will. Exactly. So what are some of the biggest obstacles you face and what do you think you've learned from those? Well, I think the biggest obstacle everybody faces is it's expectations. Yeah. We usually have really unrealistic expectations. Yeah. And we don't realize it at the time, uh, especially if you came out of public school. Your expectations of what learning looks like, of what a child ought to be capable of doing at a certain age, you know, because you were taught at this age they were supposed to be able to do this. And well, maybe your kid doesn't fit that mold. Maybe they were doing it younger. Maybe they're not going to be doing it till they're older. It's really just a matter of expectations. When you get really frustrated with maybe the discipline in the house isn't great, maybe your kids aren't doing their schoolwork, you know, just whatever. You have to stop at some point and step back and say, are my expectations realistic? Where do I even get these expectations from? Yeah, that was one of my biggest frustrations when I first started is that uh, I just, like you said, the expectations of what you think they should be doing. 
And my kids were all, they were all functioning really well and at high levels and stuff. But it is, it's just so much pressure on you to feel like you've got to, you know, have them at this place or that place. And all these eyes are all watching you. And you know that the moment that there's, you know, a mess up or a mistake, they're, like you said, they blame it on the homeschooling. And so that's been one of my biggest obstacles, definitely. Well, and and I was funny um, because I'm such a reader and... I finally had to stop reading homeschooling books. I almost never read a homeschooling book anymore because at some point you have to stop and say, what am I doing? Yeah. And it has to, well, whatever I'm doing, it has to be enough. You know, you have to stop feeling guilty about what you are doing. Yeah. And stop comparing yourself because that's the whole thing when, when you keep reading these homeschooling books and, and then you keep going to homeschooling meetings or you keep talking to moms about what they're doing. What you're doing is there is continuously comparing yourself to others yeah. and trying to see how you measure up. And you have to just stop doing that. It's just so bad for you. <laughs> I mean, it just makes you feel guilty, angry, frustrated. And then you take that out on your kids or your family. Yeah, that's not healthy at all either that they see, you know, then they feel like they can't do anything right in your eyes, which is not even the true. They've got to You've got to celebrate their successes, not point out the things. Well, and <laughs> things if you're doing, doing if you're doing some things that are working, ugh, who cares then? What who cares what other people are doing? If what you're doing is working, if you're all pretty happy and, you know, enjoying it most of the time, then oh, just do it. So, I mean, is that where your discouragement comes from is comparing yourself or is there other other things that you feel are discouraging and then how do you combat that? Yeah, I'm a a doer. So, you know, I make my list every day of the things I want to get done and (laughs) I never get them all done because, you know, and so, you know, sometimes that gets discouraging because I do the same thing with, like I said, with our school is, you know, at the beginning of the year, I have all these high hopes that, oh, we're going to do Latin and we're going to do Spanish and we're going to do grammar and we're going to do this, (laughs) right? And, you know, and then most half of it to two thirds of it, we end up not doing. And that used to really discourage me. But <laughs> I guess I try to be more realistic about what we can do. And again, step back and adjust my expectations. And then look at my kids. Like right now, Lisa is spending hours teaching herself to crochet. And Emily spends hours drawing. She's thinking maybe she wants to be a graphic artist. I mean, well, gosh, how can I say no to that stuff? You yeah. know, if one can spend hours learning teaching herself to crochet obviously she can spend hours teaching herself to do anything she wants to you know that's for sure yeah and probably the biggest skill that we can teach them is how to learn and once once they have that down then the sky's the limit so right and being comfortable with teaching yourself and and knowing it's okay to try things and yeah not to to just yeah and just to you know i'm interested i'm just gonna go do that (laughs) yeah before we go on let us take a minute and hear about our sponsors Hey, Firestarters, this is Mark, producer of The Luminous Mind. If you're like me, the thought of going out to the store and shopping is enough to make you want to crawl in a hole and hide. If that's you, then do your shopping online through Amazon. Just go to theluminousmind.net, click on the Amazon link, and shop away. Also, most of the books and resources that Rebecca and her guests discuss can be found on our Amazon links as well. Again, if you're like me, you have already accidentally signed up for Amazon Prime. So most of those purchases should have free shipping as well. Good luck.
Welcome back to The Luminous Mind with Kimberly. All right, so we're going to turn our interview to more of the successes. We've talked about some downers here. Let, let's turn it and see, I mean, what are the successes that you've seen with your homeschooling? Well, I mentioned to you earlier that Alyssa, I had encouraged her to take that sort of freedom class at our homeschool co-op is all about the Civil War. And uh, I didn't force her to, but I said, I, I really think you might enjoy this. And she took the class and it's become her favorite class. And she went on and on and she thanked her teachers over and over and said, I may want to teach this someday. And that was really nice. But, you know, she told me that she felt comfortable in that class and felt she had a lot to offer on her opinions because we had done so much history together. History is like our backbone. We always do history and we always do math, those two things, and try to fit science in there as best we can. <laughs> with all, <laughs> I know. With your From science. a scientist, that's horrible, right? <laughs> it's hard to do science at home. <laughs> but um, yeah, we always do history. And that I got from the classical education. Yeah. And that's part of your backbone. Well, um, and with history, there's a lot of reading. I mean, that's a great skill to learn the reading, too. So, or or writing if, <laughs> if, if you're so inclined. <laughs> so, so what are, share with us some personal habits then that, that help make you successful. I like I, your intuition. I like follow. <laughs> I like that, how you follow oh, that. Gosh. That's awesome. Well, the other thing I learned, too, especially when the girls were little, but, well, it, no, it's important now, too, but I learned it when they were younger, is that if you want to have a good school day, you really have to make it your first priority. Um, you can't get up and say, okay, we'll start after I return a couple of phone calls. Yeah. Uh, you know, and then when... You know, you guys have worked for an hour and you say, take a break and you say, okay, I'm going to go make a phone call and, and get, start getting lunch ready. Um, no. Yeah, school's <laughs> over. <laughs> yeah, school, you you know, you might eventually drag them back, but they're not going to be happy and they're not going to have the focus that they did before. So I try not to, never to take phone calls during school time unless... You know, it's a phone call I'm expecting for some reason. I try never to schedule appointments till after lunchtime. Sometimes you can't help it, but I try to just that they know in the mornings we have breakfast, we go downstairs and we do our schoolwork. And and creating that pattern in your life, I'm sure, makes it easier as time goes on. So Well, and I'm trying something new because... Uh, iPods have become a distraction in this household (laughs) and my crocheter loves Pinterest she loves to find every pattern she can find and pin it on her Pinterest board (laughs) so I've had to take their iPods away and say no iPods till your schoolwork and chores are done yeah wow that really (laughs) is a motivator well it really changed the whole dynamic instead of the minute my back was turned because they had finished something they're on their iPods yeah then nope they were focused we're gonna do our work and get it done I've been really pleased with that (laughs) I actually just did that with Jacob because I noticed it was the same thing he does not need anything to distract him either so so I said it just needs to stay we have them bring them to our rooms at night and we we charge them in there anyway and then I just say well until everything's done you are not allowed to go get it (laughs) right right and it does help um, minimizing the electronics is sometimes a difficult thing. So, so how do you organize your time then and all your family responsibilities with homeschooling? Well, every every semester is different, actually, now that we're joining the co-op. But every year is different. You know, first you have your school that you have in the morning. 
then there's end appointments and then there's ice skating. We're at the ice rink four days a week during the ice skating season. Luckily, wow. that's only only for six months. <laughs> <laughs> so then I, you know, I have to function around what other activities they have. And like Sunday, I sit down and I look at where I'm going to be during the week and figure out, you know, what meals I can make. If we're going to be an iFamily all day long, then guess what? It's either leftovers or crockpot that day. If we're going to be at the rink till six o'clock, then again, leftovers or crockpot. You know, yeah, I have, so I have to really plan our meals out based on when we're going to be home. You talked about how difficult the transition it was for you coming from the workaday world to the home life. Do you feel like your girls, uh, because they've been home with you, that they help you with a lot of those household responsibilities too? Oh, yeah. They've done their own laundry since they were like four. (laughs) (laughs) I I haven't done their laundry. I don't even know how long. (laughs) That's nice. Yeah. You know, they help keep the house clean. You know, they do a lot of those kind of chores. I haven't done much with them in the kitchen yet. I know. I just tell myself I need to do that. But, you know, after spending all morning with them, I'm done. Yeah. Sometimes (laughs) they have to plug... (laughs) I've had to, uh, when my kids were younger, especially from three to four, I in, I instituted a quiet time <laughs> because, yeah, the extra little noise or whatever. And I, I usually would plug my iPod in or whatever and listen to podcast or something educational for myself because I felt like I needed some self-growth, too. And I usually did that while I was making dinner or something. So I I totally get you. So how do you feel like your family's benefited the most from homeschooling? Well, we have a much, much different relationship than I had with my parents. When After we listened to history, because we listened to an online lecture, we sit on the couch and cuddle together. We talk about everything. If they see a boy somewhere they like, they tell me about it. <laughs> you know? There's things I don't want to know that I hear about, (laughs) but, you know, we just, we share everything. One of the important things is that they watch me experience real life. They are watching me right now. My father's back in Florida and he's dying. And, you know, I flew back in January to be with him for a while. And then um, his wife and I don't always see eye to eye about things. And so they watch me try to be respectful as I can and still maintain a relationship yet at the same time, you know, your frustration will insist on that she be respectful to me, you know, and and that's, you know, this is a hard line to walk sometimes without damaging your your relationship. Um, Yeah. So they get to watch all of that. They get to watch us help friends um, drop everything to go help a friend who's in need you know so it's definitely rela- more of a school a family experience right and so they're seeing how relationships are what is important in this world not how much money can I go make not what clothes that I wear you know none of that stuff is important it's all about the relationships that you have with the people around you wow yeah that is one of the fun things like it's an extra side benefit that you don't realize is going to happen you know that closeness and then Mm -hmm. learning some of those life skills it's that's great well one of the side bonuses is is that we can travel whenever we want to when we take advantage of that you know we went to Disney World the first of December 
<laughs> when everyone so, else a couple years ago yeah and you know when we travel we usually will do it in the fall if we travel yeah in september after the kids are back in school and or right before everybody's out i mean right before the spring break or anything like that right you go a different time so what are some long-term goals that you guys have as a family and what are goals well, now, for yourself i guess i should yeah. ask that. well you know my girls are getting older now so of course i'm looking to either college or some kind of technical training or something. I made it very clear to both my girls all the time that I don't want to hear about boys and dating and, you know, any of that stuff till you can take care of yourself. <laughs> I just don't even want to hear about it. You yeah. know, that's, we're not, we're not interested in that. This is time for you to develop yourself and yeah. become the person you're going to be to follow your interests and learn who you are. And I've also made it very clear they have to have some kind of training or something after we're done here because I'm never going to hear them say to me, Mom, I can't leave my husband. I'm trapped because I don't know how to take care of myself. Yeah, I can't. I can't work. Or I, I don't ever want to hear that. Hear that from them. Well, and it, you've given them the tools. If you do all the things that you can take care of yourself, sometimes you end up taking care of others in a better in a better place. So right. Well, and for myself. I'm looking now, like I'm teaching classes at the co-op and I enjoy it very much and I love the kids. But honestly, I'm doing it to make some money. It's great. I, you know, I wouldn't do it if I didn't enjoy it, yeah. but I wanted to make some extra money. And, you know, we're older. <laughs> My husband would like to retire, you know, in about 10 years or so. And, you know, we're in a little different situation than some of the families. I'll be going back to work. I'm. We need to get our house paid off and, yeah. and stuff. You know, I have other concerns and some people might have. Yeah, that's interesting. So what advice or encouragement would you give to somebody who's just starting out? Maybe mm. wants to take this road? If you're just starting out and you're just thinking, wow, homeschooling, you know, it's interesting. Should I do it? Shouldn't I? You know, I, I don't know. I really think what you would benefit you the most would be to sit back and spend a lot of time over, you know, a period of weeks or months or years, even if you have it, to think about what does it truly mean to be an educated person? Yeah. And what is it that you really want for your children? Because most people will tell you what I really want for my children is for them to be happy and healthy and have strong, healthy relationships. I'm pretty sure they don't learn much of that in a formal school setting. Yeah. You know, that is their life. That's they're going to yeah. learn that from you. Yeah. There is no grade that you can give somebody on that. You know, <laughs> you know. no. You know, and but you have certain expectations, like I would like to offer a biology class because I'm horrified of all the people out in the world today who don't understand the most basics of biology and evolution and, you know, how DNA works and stuff, who are spouting off or even making laws about our health and our food supply and, you know, yeah. our health care system and all of this. It's just horrifying to me. I just don't think people do a good job with that. Yeah. So, you know, I have my things that I think a person really needs to know that I'm trying to make sure I get in with my kids. But, you know, there's just too much information. There's no way you could ever teach. You could ever learn all that, much as teach all that, or you really have to be choosy. Yeah. And decide what's important in your life, what you feel like is important. So do you have a favorite book or resource? You talked about John Holt's um, How Children Learn. Is there 
Yes. Well, yes. and um, I can't remember who brought it up. Might have been Cami or Jennifer Anderson. Um, Ed Hirsch's Edie Hirsch's Cultural Literacy. Oh that yeah, was very interesting. Have you read that? Well, I started looking at it last year when we did a cultural literacy B, and I was like, what is that all about? And so, as my kids were studying, we were looking at those books, and that is an incredible thing to think about. Those are topics that. If you have a good understanding, you could carry on a conversation. I mean, just doing that cultural literacy B and studying for that was a that was a learning experience all on its own. So, right, I thought that was fascinating that that a culture is held together by the things it has in common. And if somebody writes an article in the paper and talks about honest Abe or the cherry tree yeah. or know. the the phrase Deuteronomo. I had no idea that right. was an Indian. <laughs> Deuteronomo. Right. right. And so there's all these things that we all used to have in common that we got at a public education, you know, that were taught these classic books and stories and things and that are still you really, really need to try and fit those in. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I really like that book. Yeah, I would read a Thomas and Jefferson education. Absolutely. And um, Charlotte Mason Companion is really great for when your kid's about seven to nine and you're starting to want to do more with them school wise. I just love her whole philosophy of short, like 20 minute lessons. They need to be short. They need to be interesting. I loved how she said in one of her books that uh, if you're as an adult, if you're interested in geography, you know, you're going to travel somewhere. You don't go get out a geography book and look at it. You go get pretty brochures and pictures. You know, yeah, that's think about what would interest make it interesting to you. That would probably make it interesting to your kids. Exactly. Like very visual and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. definitely. So what changes would you like to see in the future? We talked about learning biology. <laughs> Everyone have a good understanding of that. Yeah. Is there anything else that you can think of? that? I would love to see people actually parent their children. Yeah. <laughs> I think if we had more people being kinder, gentler, and more respectful to their children, that you would see just a huge improvement Yeah, in, in the culture and everything about this world they don't realize when they disrespect their children and and talk so ugly that it's only a matter of time before they hear that back you know (laughs) that's that's a record player I've seen that in the grocery store and sometimes I've wanted to just you know I'm not that type of person that I would go up and necessarily get in their face about their parenting but I've seen some horrible things and I just keep thinking how sad that is that in a few years they'll wonder why that child's being so disrespectful to them well if you you know if you want the world to be a better place to me it all hinges back on how people parent their child yeah back to the home mm-hmm. so absolutely that's great well before we say goodbye do you have any final parting words or maybe a favorite quote that you'd like to share well rudolf steiner who um, developed the waldorf education method I guess it's popular over in Germany. There's a few places around that you can find it. He said, our highest endeavor must be to develop free human beings who are able of themselves to bring purpose and direction to their lives. That's great. That is a great quote. 
And wouldn't that be, I mean, to go back to changes that we'd like to see in the world, you know, if we had more people that could direct their own lives and be self-sufficient, what a change that would be. So Right. And the Thomas Jefferson philosophy of, you know, raising leaders and allowing your kids to explore their interests more. Well, that's how you help them to bring purpose and direction to their lives by being respectful that they want to learn this, that yeah. this is interesting to them and supporting them in that. That they might have a drive their own uh you know, things that they have a, a special talent for, you know, mm-hmm. so right. exactly. Well, Kimberly was afraid that she wouldn't add anything <laughs> that hasn't already been added, but I've learned a ton from you and I hope that our audience has too. And definitely leave comments for us of how wonderful she did because she did a great job. <laughs> so anyway, but thank you for joining us. I really do admire you and your girls. Alyssa is actually in our student council for our Commonwealth school and she is an amazing student and emily is just the most oh i'm here i am saying names i hope you don't mind but that's okay the sweetest girl like said our little tate and her are inseparable and <laughs> so we well, i love here. i love to visit with you super fun so well thank you so much so. thank you thanks for listening to the luminous mind to learn more about kimberly go to our show notes at the luminousmind.net Also, be sure to become a subscriber to our free email list so you can receive our weekly audio blog, The Spark. We would love to have you join our program. Do so by going to the scheduling tab and become a fire starter today. Help support the podcast by making all your Amazon purchases through the free Amazon widget on our website. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter and Google+. Get our audio content on YouTube, iTunes, and Stitcher. Leave us a review. Tell us how we can help you so together we can continue to light minds on fire and change the paradigm of education. 